Happy Father's Day. Um, <clears throat> and I, I picked verse 21 out of Proverbs for us. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that will prevail. Yes. Think how many times I, got, I, I hatch my plans, and that's the right word. I hatch them. Um, and, um, and then the Lord is up to something completely different, and I'm never, I don't end up where I thought I was going to go, and God's ways are always higher and better than mine. So it's the Lord's purposes that prevail. We're starting a new series today, and, um, and it deals with the topic of temptation. Now, please stay with me, okay? I say temptation, and I think the automatic response people have is, oh, okay, this is going to be a, a buck up and get tough message, and that's not where this is going to go. Um, and, um, but I really believe that the Lord wants us to talk about the topic of temptation. And, and I think that as, um, as, as we work through this, the Lord has some purposes that will prevail in this process. I think that there will be people who come out through this series, either today and over the next few weeks, they're going to come out through this process different, changed, released, and freed. And I, we're going to see, um, as we study what God says about temptation, that he's faithful, that no matter where you are trapped, you know, it could be something big, something huge that you've never told a soul about, or it could be something that everybody around you knows, or it could be some little thing that's annoying you and, 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 and whatever. But God always gives us a way out. I mean, I, I think about, <clears throat> and I could give you some examples, and, and uh, I don't know what kind of, how, how much it would help you for me to tell you the temptations I'm dealing with today, um, but they're there. I mean, I'm just like you, but, so I'm going to give you a really old one. I'm going to talk about when, and I've, I've talked about this topic some. My mother's not here today, so it gives me a little bit of freedom to talk about something that happened when I was home living in high school, but my kids are here with me too, so I feel like, okay, I, they're going to hear all these things. They, they, this is not, none of this is a surprise to them. But um, I, I struggled a little bit with uh, beer and so forth when I was in high school. And <clears throat> to say I struggled, I mean, I was thinking about how technology changes between now and then. I guess now they do something they call a, a beer bong or something. I don't know, really know what that is. I picture something about a funnel and a hose or whatever. In my day, it was called ramming. Anybody here know how you would ram a beer? Nobody here knows. Okay. How do you know how to ram a beer? Okay, I don't want to. Okay, so, so, so what you would do, and I'm not trying to give you beer ramming lessons, okay, but what you would do is like back when a beer can had a pop top, you would take a church key. You know what a church key is? Okay, it's that triangle-shaped thing on one side and the loop on the other. One side it would cut a hole in the can, the other side you would... You guys didn't know that was called a church key? I don't know why that's called a church key. It's what my mother taught me, I'm pretty sure. But anyway... So you would, you, would, you would take the bottom of the beer can, make an opening with the church key, and that's the part that you would drink through, and you would hold it up and put as much vacuum into the can as you could, and then you'd pop the top, and of course, it would drain out very fast. And if that was your goal, to get as much beer down your throat as quick as you could, it was the technology of the 70s. Um, <clears throat> And the problem for me was that um, I kind of stopped there, and over time I you know, kind of started smoking marijuana. And um, I can still remember the moment I was um, with a girl who I didn't marry, and um, <clears throat> she was um, a, a friend. And we were out, and the car was parked, and there was two couples in the car, and we were drinking. And I wanted to light up. Um, and, and she says, get out of the car, let's talk. And we got out of the car, and she looked me in the eye, and she says, you're not going to smoke that. And I said, yeah, I am. She, she looked me in the eye, and she said, you're changing. And 
it's not good. In high school, I had a girl confront me and say, you are changing. And I'm thinking how thankful I am for this girl um, that said those things to me that I have not forgotten to this day. And I was struggling with something, and I realized when she said those words, I had a problem. I had a, I had a problem. And, um, you know, I mean, I, there may be here today that, you know, you, you, and I would venture that every one of us, at one level or another, you know, there's some issue, something in your life that's, you know, there, that maybe it's been a consistent, something that you wish was not there. And I don't know what it would be for you, you know, maybe... Maybe alcohol, you know, for a lot of people, it's not a problem. You can have a drink in a, every day or two. And for other people, it's a problem. You've got to have some every day. Or, or some other substance, something that you, you know, you're smoking it or you're shooting it or you're popping it. Um, <clears throat> but maybe it has nothing to do with the substance. For, for, for some of us, maybe it's just something as simple as you just lie. You just have this habit of, of telling things that are... You know, for no good reason, you, you just tell a lie. And then, then you find yourself, you've got to back it up with another one to cover the trail. And, 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 and maybe when people around you talk to you, they really can't tell what's real and what isn't. Or maybe it's, maybe, maybe it's an eating issue. You know, maybe for you, you just can't, cannot stop. Or maybe you've got a, a problem with sugar. This is definitely my deal. I have a stash of Red Hot's. You know, and they're sitting in my office in a cupboard, red hots, right now, right this minute. And I've got a jar full of them, okay? And I've got that jar, and I haven't been into that jar for six months. I am resisting it, but but I haven't thrown them away, (laughs) because I love my red hots. Just, you know, it feels okay just to have one little red hot at a time. And then pretty soon this mindless thing is going on and I'm tempted and I don't even pay attention to the temptation because it's such a small little red hot. One more isn't going to bother me. Red hots. I love my red hots. They're good. <clears throat> and, 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 and I've got this issue. And, you know, I mean, statistically, here's another one. Statistically, you don't have to go very far. This room has probably got a lot of people who struggle with looking at things that don't belong to go through your RRI gates. Men and women. It is one of the most common problems in our culture today. It's just really... really, And and the access to seeing things that we ought not to see by way of the internet and elsewhere has never been higher than it is right now. And um, Or or maybe, maybe for you it's spending. You're already massively in debt, but sometimes when you just don't feel good, it just feels... It just helps to get on Amazon.com or... Whatever, you know, wherever it is that you like to go or the store and just to buy a little bit more and then a little bit more and then a little bit more and off you go to the races and it just doesn't seem to stop. And, or maybe, maybe it's something like gambling. You, you, know, you lose something, so you, you lose some more and then you lose some more and then all of a sudden, you know, you can't seem to get out of it. And, and here's another one. As innocent as it seems, I don't have mine with me, but it's something we pull out of our pocket and we do this with it. You know, iPhones and cell phones and social media. And like, they, they can become such a problem that you can't even have an intimate conversation with somebody that you're sitting with because you're too busy maintaining something somewhere else. And, and, and you don't even realize how it's robbing you from intimacy that's right there with you. I mean, it may not seem like that big a deal. I don't know what it would be for you. But I think it's likely that every single one of us has 
something going on in our lives that shouldn't be there. And I want to see um, how God's word speaks directly to this. And then we'll, here's our text that we're going to jump off from. And this will be our starting point for um, over the next several weeks. 1 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 12. And here's Paul. And these are powerful words. He says, So, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what, what is common to mankind. So here comes some good news. And God is faithful. Even if we're faithless, God's always faithful. How faithful is he? Here's one of the ways. He says, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I hope you understand that every time there is a temptation, every single time, there is always, always, always a way out. Every single one of us, um, when we're tempted to do something that would be harmful or that would be hurt us or hurt somebody else or hurt the heart of God, there is always, always, always a way out. Now, so today, what I want to do is I just kind of want to build a foundation for us to stand on over the rest of the series. Next week, we're going to talk about building firewalls. You know, we're going to talk about, you know, hell is attacking, there's a strategy, and, uh, you know, why would we decide to resist a temptation tomorrow when we could do something to eliminate it today. We'll talk about that next week. The, the following week, we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit gets in this, in this, involved in this. Because the Holy Spirit brings something of God's power to overcome things that we think in our minds we just can't. We just can't. And it's accurate. We can't. And then we're going to talk in the final week, we'll talk about how things that we feed grow and things that we starve die. So um, we'll talk in that week about some things that I think, two or three things at least, that every follower needs to do to help their spirit become stronger um, than their flesh. So whenever whenever you're tempted, God is faithful. He always gives us a way out so that we can endure it. And I really believe that in this process, God's going to set some people free. I really believe that his intention, his purposes that are going to prevail through this process is that people are going to be different because of God's power and because of his word and his presence. So, so let's just for the sake of the next few weeks talk about um, what we're going to define temptation as. And there's lots of ways to define temptation. So here's our definition of temptation. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. So anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience is something that is going to make you, you know, you're going to like this. It's going to make you feel good. It's going to make your life more meaningful. It promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. Now, um, scientists will tell us that when we give in to temptation, our brains trigger and release something called dopamine. And dopamine gets into the pleasure centers of our brain and gives us a little bit of a feel-good buzz, jolt you know, feeling. And the funny thing about dopamine is that it can be released in lots of different parts of our brain, and it reacts differently depending on the part of our brain that's in. But, but as scientists have studied it, they found out something that I was surprised as I read about it over this week. Dopamine triggers unpredicted reward. In other words, you don't even have to follow through with what you're being tempted with. It's the consideration of the reward that you're going to have that triggers the release of dopamine. Did you catch that? I mean, you, you, you know, you, 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 when you consider the promised satisfaction, the dopamine starts to release in your mind. I think I got a little bit of it a few minutes ago just thinking about Red Hots. <laughs> So I, every time I bring up Red Hots, I get happier up here. I'm not quite sure what to say about that. But, you know, so, so, so you look at it, 
and you think about it and you make the purchase and there's dopamine getting released. There's, there's you know, you, you, you want to look at it, so you take a look at it, dopamine. You, you, you want to say something, you think you'd like to say something, so you say something and it makes you feel good, the dopamine comes out. The problem is the dopamine doesn't last. It doesn't last. Your brain says, hey, send some more of that. Or the result is you kind of get this reward and then you get followed up by the, oh, you know, I don't feel so good about that anymore. There's, I feel bad about that. I feel some guilt or regret or shame. <clears throat> Maybe you have experienced that cycle before. What's temptation? It's anything that promises satisfaction. You know, Terry, you're going to like this. Terry, you need this. Terry, if, if you, you're going to feel good if you do this. It's going to be great at the cost of obedience to God. So as we kind of work through this today, and this is going to be a relatively short message because I want you to get in there and buy a pie. God wants you to love him with all your heart, all your, all your soul. So you thought I was going to say... Um, anyway, so as we go through this, I want to talk about four truths. Did I just tempt you? But I don't hope not. It wasn't God. Anyway, so four truths about temptation. Four, we're going to look at four quick truths about temptation. Number one is this. It is not a sin to be tempted. It's actually not a sin to be tempted. Hebrews 4, 5, 15 tells us that, for we do not have a high priest, he's talking here about Jesus, we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus was tempted just like you and me. But being tempted is not the same thing as sinning. And, you know, I, I think our spiritual enemy wants us to feel guilty all the time, including when we shouldn't feel guilty. You know, for example, eating a donut is not a sin, okay? It's not. They've been spoiled for me for probably 25 years because Lisa came home from work one day and says, you know, you have to walk three miles to get rid of that one donut. I have never, ever, I mean, I like a donut. I like a good, hot, crispy, cream donut. You know, you have to be careful not to burn your tongue. It's so hot. I mean, that's what I'd really like one of those. She says, three miles. I don't want one anymore. There is no donut worth three miles. I want, I want red hots if I'm going to go three miles. Because I can have a whole, I mean, okay, so it's not a sin to have a donut. But if there's something going on in your soul and the Lord is trying to teach you to maybe take a little better care of your temple, and you're thinking, you know, the donuts don't fit into my plan so much. Donuts are not a sin. But I know I ought not to, and I'm on something that the Lord has called me to, so I'm trying to become more disciplined. And donuts just don't make the cut. And you walk into work, and one of your loving pals at work has brought this box this box with emphasis, this box. And on that bo- in that box are these donuts that are covered with chocolate. Mm. And that chocolate, you think it's an inanimate object, but it has a life. And it's speaking to you. Get over here. Lick me. I'm not going to lick you. Bend over and smell me. Oh, dopamine. Man, I, there's no calories in a smell, right? You know? And so it's not a sin to be tempted. What if you do pick it up and lick it? Is that a sin? I don't know. That's a technicality. I'm not going to get between you and your donut. 
Ladies, you're driving down the road and there's some guy jogging and he doesn't have a shirt on. Guys, you're driving down the road and some woman's in her Lululemon yoga pants. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you're awake more than you were and you're thinking, I really should make sure she got across the street okay. <laughs> and your wife says, was she good looking? You go, no, honey, there was a cat, and I was afraid it was going to get run over by a car. I don't know. Do you maybe turning around the second look? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a sin to be tempted. It's what we do. And our spiritual enemy wants us to feel guilty. But being tempted is not a sin. Don't let false guilt bring something on you that shouldn't be there. But you need to be smart. I mean, if you go to the gym... And the, the, the women at the gym dress sexually, find another gym. There are gyms that are not like that. They're out there. If you want to, find another gym. I mean, I mean it's not too smart to go to Krispy Kreme donuts if you're not supposed to be eating donuts. It's not okay to kick the tires if it's not your car. It's just not okay. So we'll start there. It's not a sin to be tempted. Number two, understand this. You are never above temptation. I don't care who you are, you are not above temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. And here's kind of like where I probably need to kind of get up in our business here a little bit, because if you're kicking back right now going, well, I'm really glad my husband is here to hear this. You know, I, I really don't need to hear this, but she needs to hear this. I can hardly wait to get a copy of this sermon and give it to my kids. I mean, you really need to be careful if you're thinking about how this is good for other people. This is a warning from God. If you think you are standing firm, you need to understand this. Our spiritual enemy will attack you where you are weak. And our spiritual enemy will attack you where you are strong. And that overconfidence, you know. How often have you seen somebody who was really confident in their strengths do something stupid? I mean... Why? Because that person overestimated how strong they would be. They overestimate their strengths. And our enemy is going to come at you at your weaknesses and your strengths. Never, ever, 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 ever think that you're above it. And I think a lot of people think things like, well, I'd never do that. It'll never happen to me. And they are the people who fall the hardest and the fastest. Never, ever think it. When, you know, so we need to guard against self-confidence because Scripture says that the heart is deceitful above all else. It's incurable. <laughs> Scripture, one translation says that it's, it's evil above all else, incurable. Who can know it? That's in Jeremiah um, 17. We never know. We never know when we're going to be vulnerable, uh, vulnerable, and we have no idea what we're capable of. Every single one of us is capable of just the grossest sins at any given time, given the right circumstances. It can happen. I mean, think, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking about recently, the last time, if you look back in the church's records, you could probably pin down what day this happened, but I preached a sermon on anger, and I, you know, that was a good sermon, and I, I, I did a good job. That was a good sermon. I, you know, I don't go away from here thinking that very often, but I remember that day thinking, man, you know, I, I, that was really good. We're driving home. And I don't know, I can't remember what it was. I just remember that I kind of lost it. And I had a temper tantrum in the car with my wife. 
<laughs> I'm sorry, honey. Okay. And so I've had this temper tantrum in the car. And my loving wife didn't say a word. But the Holy Spirit, who lives in Lisa's eyes, <laughs> she just smiled that beautiful smile, that I love you smile, and the Holy Spirit's in there going, hey, nice sermon, Terry. <laughs> Wasn't that on anger? Good job. Right after I preached on anger, that was when I was vulnerable to the very sin that I had just talked to the church about. You know, you're just not above it. We're just not above it. It's not a sin to be tempted. You're never above temptation. Number three, God will never tempt you. God will never, ever, you know, but God tempted me. God made me do this, God. You know, no, 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 no. That's not God. God will test you, but he will not tempt you. And there is a difference. You know, why do you test somebody? You know, you're a junior in high school and they give you a final exam. Why do we test them? We test them because we want to promote them to the next grade. We test people because we want to move them forward. Satan tempts people. Why does he want to do it? He wants to move us backwards. You get the distinction. A test is to move you forward, it's to promote you, it's to, it's to prepare you for that. A temptation is meant to pull you backwards. God will test you, but he will not tempt you. And there is a big, big difference. In fact, James said it this way in James 1, starting in verse 13. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. So where does temptation come from? Verse 14, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. I mean, it's kind of delusional, I think, for us to tell ourselves that we're good people. I mean, I mean, that's really not true. It's, it's technically, it's, it's dead wrong. I mean, we have a bent away from God. I mean, you never have to teach a two-year-old to be selfish. You know, okay, honey, sit down now. I'm going to teach you today how to be selfish, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick up your toy, and when I do, you scream into my face, Mine! You don't have to do that with a two-year-old. They already understand that. It came in the existential, he's hardwired programming, you know. Okay, so, you know, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. I want that, you know. Um, We're dragged away, these desires, they give birth to sinful action. It starts just with this desire, and then it's born into sinful action. Verse continues, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Wow. Death? That seems kind of overly dramatic, God. Death? Really? Death? I'm going to tell you, um, yeah, things die. When sin happens, something somewhere pays the price and something dies. I mean, um, small little things or huge things. I I look backwards at um, some of the things that I've helped people deal with in their lives, and I, I look back at my um, story. This is a long time ago. Uh, Lisa and I were involved with leading a young marriage ministry years and years and years and years ago. A lot of people in it, and uh, we grew up loving and knowing a lot of young couples, and lost touch with some of them over the years, and one couple came to us. One, one guy came to me as a pastor at one point, and he says, my life is in 
shambles. What happened? Oh, well, me and my wife, we were hanging out with this other couple, and we thought we would spice things up, and so we watched uh, an X movie together with this other couple. And one thing led to another, and pretty soon we were um, both, both marriages blown up by this adultery. And it blew up the marriages. It blew up the families. The children who had been following the Lord, it blew their walk, everything. Death, yes. And when sin is allowed to grow, it brings, it gives birth to death. And yeah, it really, really does. It's not me up here hammering away trying to Bible thump you. I just want to help you say it. Sin, sin never makes life better. It always destroys. Temptation promises satisfaction, but at the cost of obedience to God. You know, it's going to be fun. It's going to spice things up. It's, it's going to help. It's going to help me relax. It's going to make me feel better. It's going to make me feel more special. And then this buzz, this little thing, this moment comes, but then things start to unravel and it leads to death. It's a destruction every single time. And there's a generation of people. By generation, I don't mean people born between 1985. and I mean people who are sons and daughters of a philosophy where they'll just say, it's okay. It's just the way I am. It's just my one thing. I mean, I, I just can't seem to overcome this. God understands. He made me this way. This is just how I am. I'm talking about that generation of people who have decided to become sons and daughters of that kind of philosophy. And if you are a member of that generation, I just want to lovingly say to you that God is righteous. He's righteous. And through the power of Christ, he calls us to follow him. Not by our own power. But he leads us into righteousness. He'll never, ever tempt you. God will not tempt you. Martin Luther, the first one, not the king one, who, by the way, Martin Luther King, I really admire him. Lisa and I visited his museum years ago and we were back in that area. What a great man. But that's not the Martin Luther I'm, I'm talking about, the original Martin Luther, the guy who helped the, the reformation of the church. <clears throat> he, said something, um, <clears throat> he said something that's kind of crazy sounding at first. He said, to be a theologian, you need three things. Let's, let me put this into today's vernacular. If you want to be close to God, you need three things. Prayer, meditation, and temptation. Martin Luther said you need to have temptation? Wait a second. Okay. Prayer. Talking to God. Meditation. Hearing from God. Temptation. Learning to depend on God. That's how we learn to depend on God is when that temptation comes. You know, I, I, I think I, to, be, to be this close person to God, to be a theologian, he said, you, you need prayer, talking to God, meditation, hearing from God, and, and, and temptation, learning to depend on God. God uses everything. Genesis 50, 20, you know, that principle, you know, the enemy meant it for evil, but God will use it for good. It's true. Will he even use temptation? Yeah. Yeah, because here's why. Because temptation, every time you experience temptation, that's an invitation to depend on God. Every time you are tempted, that is another invitation to depend on God. Because when you're tempted to be disobedient to the Lord, that's an invitation to depend on Christ. Because our fleshy, fleshly nature, you know, we, we don't always have the ability 
to say no to temptation. It seems like, you know, we end up doing the wrong thing or doing some stupid thing or, you know, some hurtful thing. Why? Well, because we haven't understood that that we need prayer, talking to God, that we need meditation, hearing from God, that we need those temptations to learn to be dependent on God, and it makes us closer to Him. Every temptation is an invitation to be more dependent on Christ. And yes, God will test us. He does. He wants to see if we're obedient. He wants to help us see we can be obedient, but He never, ever tempts us. Satan tempts us through our own evil desires, and and we all have those. We all, every single one of us. If you think you don't have them, then you're way more vulnerable to failing than people who acknowledge they have those weaknesses and they're vulnerable there. It's not a sin to be tempted. You're never above temptation. God will never tempt you. And then number four, there is always a way out. Always. Always a way out. No matter what. No matter what you're facing, no matter what gross sin you're dealing with, no matter... What small annoying thing that, you know, that everybody knows about, but it's got a grip on you. No matter what, there's, there's always, always, always a way out. Always a way out. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 and, and says this, and God is faithful. He is. God is faithful. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, and you will be, because... Everybody's tempted. We're all human beings. And uh, when you're tempted, here's what God's going to do. He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. What would your way be out be? I don't know. I don't know what your way is going to be. But I'm here to tell you, God has for you a way out. <laughs> he does. You know, might be confessing. You know, whoever conceals a sin doesn't prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces it finds mercy. That's what Proverbs 28 tells us. If we confess, we confess to God for forgiveness. That scripture says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess to God, he forgives us. We sometimes we confess to other people and that's for healing. That's for healing. Confess our faults to one another and pray for one another and you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a man in right standing with God avails much. James 5. And that's why being in a community with other believers is so important. It's really important for you to be more than just sitting in a Sunday service, but somehow regularly being with you. For example, in the women's Bible study, the women that are together there, or maybe you're in a small group that you've formed with some friends saying, hey, let's meet once in a while and have dinner and read the Bible or some other book, which you can do that, by the way. And when opportunities come up here for you to have fellowship with small groups, and there are some things coming that have not been announced yet, but there are some things coming, seize those opportunities. Seize them. Because that's, that's where you have the opportunity to share with people. You know, it, it, maybe it's confessing. And others, some of you, it's just something as simple as just admitting. Admitting it. Maybe because people have told you. Like that girl told me, you know, Terry, you have a problem. I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem. Listen, if you've had two or three people tell you you have a problem, McFly, (laughs) McFly, (laughs) you have a problem. Admit it. Some of you, maybe it's you need professional therapy or or 
rehab or something. I mean, you've tried and tried and tried, and you can't get out of this hole on your own. And you need some deep healing, or maybe you need some detox or therapy, or you need some time. And that's good too. Some of you, you just need accountability. You need to let somebody into your life that will kick your tail in love, who will stay there because they love you and are willing to hold you accountable because they love you enough to want to see you come out the other side of this thing. Accountability is a good thing. Some of you, you just might need true repentance. I'm not talking about remorse. Oh, man, I wish I hadn't got caught. I'm talking about true repentance. Lord, I am brokenhearted about what I've done to you and me. Let's get this right. I want this right. True repentance. God, I need grace. Whatever it is, for you, there's a way out. For you, there is a way out. There's always a way out because our God is faithful and he gives us a way out. And our God is that good. He is just that good. He gives us a way out. If you fall, God will pick you up and give you a way out. And the thing is, it'll be Christ in you that carries you. Not you in you. Not buck it up and be strong. But something of the invitation is saying, Lord, I, I am broken. I need your help broken as in I need repair and I need your help Lord I need grace and the Christ in you will give you power you have never known way better than the, the, the you and you that failed and broke every time you're tempted God is inviting you to trust in Jesus he will set you free our God is faithful and he always 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 provides a way out now I want to pray over you I pray with you <laughs> And I want to say this before I pray. Our Father in heaven, who loves you and me like crazy, is not the Father in this world who made mistakes with you or maybe did really well. He's perfect in every way. And one of his most perfect attributes is his love for you and me. He sees our brokenness. He sees the way we're tempted. He sees the way we fail. And he made a plan for us to give us life eternal. And that plan is his son, Jesus Christ. And I am not recruiting people to join a church. I'm recruiting people to seal their eternity with a loving father in in heaven. To seal and to not only change after you die, but something about this life will become completely different when Christ becomes your Lord and Savior. So I'm going to pray, and I encourage you and invite you in the next minutes, just next couple of minutes, to make a decision to open your heart to Jesus because no one knows what tomorrow holds. So let's pray. God, I pray right now and um, thank you, Lord, for the fact that your spirit is speaking to hearts right now. I know, I, know, I know, Lord, that your spirit always points people to Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. So, Lord, in in, in this moment right now, as I pause, I pray, Lord, for people who are right this moment deciding to open their heart to you, to to the, the faithful one, the loving one, the perfect one. Your word says that all who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. It's a good thing to be saved. So, Lord, I pray for people's salvation right now. With eyes closed, can I just pray with you? If you are opening your heart to the Lord, just look up at me. I won't embarrass you. Okay, good for you. God bless you. Thanks for making eye contact with me. Any others? Okay. If I've missed you, wave your hand at me. I don't want to leave anybody out of this. Lord, I want to thank you, God, for 
the power of salvation. It's grace. It's not something that anybody can do or persuade. It's something your spirit speaks to people's heart. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. I pray, God, for, for those who have opened their heart to you today and for all of us who, who have done it at some point in the past, Lord, to find our way into the arms of the great King. Lord, speak life to us. Lord, I pray today that your spirit would start to do, do a work in us that only you can do. That, God, our hearts would be open to work that you want to do in our lives. And I, I, I know, Lord, there are people in this room that, have, that are carrying some massive dark secret. Other people don't know about it. Maybe if you're married, maybe even your spouse doesn't know about it. Maybe nobody knows. Maybe some of us are covering for somebody and, and we're compensating for them. Or, or, or maybe it's something that everybody does know and people have been trying to tell us. Or <clears throat> maybe it's not some big, huge, brilliant, gross thing. It's just, but it is sin and it's something that's been with one of us or more of us, Lord. Or maybe some of us, we just resigned ourselves to it. We just said, this is it. God, I, I just want to thank you that you brought us here today. Church, keep your eyes closed. I believe the Lord brought you here today to tell you he loves you and that he's faithful. That even when you are faithless, he's faithful and he'll always give you a way out. There's a way out that's held you hostage and the way out is through our God and his son, Jesus Christ. Lord, move through our spirits, I pray, and fill us with life and with hope. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand and sing, we're the spirit of the Lord.